Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning. We're going to get started. So we got some Bibles for you. I actually like it when you guys keep talking. I actually do. Because it means that you really want to talk and be with each other. I'm serious. So anytime you feel like, oh, wait, we're supposed to get started, but you still want to share something, like you can keep talking. If you really need to talk, you guys can head on out. But I like it um, because that's what's supposed to happen here as a church. We're supposed to do life together, and we want that excitement. And, and some of you are like, well, I wasn't talking to anybody. Nobody talked to me. Well, hopefully that won't be a pattern. Hopefully that won't be a pattern for you, and hopefully it won't be a pattern for the people around you. Um, but we'll talk more about that in the upcoming weeks. Um, so I don't know if you know this. Last week was Easter, in case any of you missed it. Um, there's another thing coming up we don't want you to miss because it'll get you in a lot of trouble. It's called Mother's Day. So just know that that's coming and you need to be prepared for that. It's kind of a big deal to moms. So it needs to be a big deal to you. But when it's Easter, um, especially last week, we really focused on the fact that Jesus makes all things new. And then you have that week, and then Tyler looks out here right before we're supposed to lead worship, and you guys are like, ah, oh, nothing feels new right now. So you're kind of wondering, like, why, if Jesus makes all things new, why don't I feel new all the time? Like, why is that not my life? Why, in fact, I was talking with someone, um, there's somebody I know, and this person you know fairly well, and they're tired all the time. And they started noticing this pattern that when people say, hey, how are you doing? I'm tired. I'm just really tired. And this person didn't even have to say that because everyone can look at this person's face and go, yeah, you're tired. Because they just have that look of like, I'm just, ex- I don't have anything. So, and this person's a, a committed follower of Jesus Christ. So why is this committed follower of Jesus Christ always tired? And, well, let me give you something here. So, you know how magazines, I know none of you ever read any magazines or any of those cool magazines like uh, People or Time or there's a, Us or Sports Illustrator, ESPN the magazine. I'm sure you guys don't read any of those, but in case you did, they always have these lists of things that you should do. And there's a few of these lists out there. And so I just chose a few that I've seen. And I look at these lists and... I want to be that person that lives life to its fullest. And I want to, so I, I, I read these. And so here's one from Forbes. Um, 16 things you should do at the start of every workday. Arrive on time. Some of you already like, dang it, I missed that one. Meditate. Eat a proper breakfast. I'm not going to go through all 16 because I've got a ton of lists here. These are just a few from different groups of things that you should, you should do. Uh, eat a proper breakfast, not a bar, not an apple, a proper breakfast. Uh, organize your day. So this is things that you should do at the start of every day, every work day. Okay, so the beginning of the day, I'm sure this is what all of you do, right? You wake up, you eat your proper breakfast, and then, of course, um, you pray or meditate, and then um, you organize your day, right? Like all of you organize it because it's organized the night before. Um, don't be distracted by your inbox of emails, um, 
listen to your voicemail. I'm sure you guys all do that. Place important phone calls and urgent emails. So that's one. This is, um, this is things to do on your lunch break. Okay, So we're a few hours later. Um, you need to eat. You need to decompress, make a plan, take a real break, get up from your desk and workspace, enjoy your food, do what you do in the morning or evening. Use the time to connect with someone new. Right? Because you've got plenty of time, so you need to connect with someone new that you don't ever connect with. Catch up with old friends. After you've met someone new, now you've got to catch up with old friends. Okay? This is during your lunch break, right? Work out. This is still Forbes.com, by the way. They got so much success from their start the workday that then they went to your lunch break. Um, don't get stuck in a routine. Avoid all screens. Regroup. Don't take too long or too short a break. Okay. Now you got that going on. Now we've got the end of the day. This is the end of the work day, not the end of your day, because then you go home, and that's a whole other list of things you should do. Evaluate your to-do list. Review your schedule for the next day, right? Because when you finish up your day, you're already planning for the next day. Clean up. That one made me laugh, because like, it's a disaster in my workspace. Complete non-peak hour work. Get closure. Make a new to-do list. Reflect on the day. Because you've got that time, that now you can reflect on the day. Write down your accomplishments. Say goodbye. Resist last-minute, low-priority emails. Uh, leave your stress at the door, right? Disconnect. Leave on a positive note. So you've got to say something positive to people. You know, hey, what's up? Actually say goodbye to them. Hey, hey goodbye. Hey, good, goodbye. And then you go. Okay, so that's, that's Forbes. Here, let's go to Time Magazine. This is their list of 10 things you should do. All of them say should. S-H-O-U-L-D. Get out in nature at least 30 minutes a day. Okay, so I'm sure most of you do that every day. And going from your house to the car and then from your car to work or into the school does not count as being in nature. It means being actually in nature. Exercise, of course. Um, get enough sleep. Okay, uh, you need to laugh. You need to touch someone. You need to be optimistic. Challenge yourself. Express gratitude. Spend time with your friends and family. So now you've, you've met someone new. You have caught up with old people. Now you need to spend time with your family. Okay, so make sure you do that one. Um, Here's bufferapp.com. Learn new skills. Regularly help others have multiple... I mean, it exhausts me even to look at that list. Thought catalog. They're bumping it up. You had 16. You had 10. 21 things you need to do. Okay? These are new ones. I'm trying not to go over the old ones because they have a lot of the ones you already should be doing, which I know you have covered. Um, Smile at children. So if you haven't done that one, slip that one in. Uh, Listen to music is one. Eat more fruits and vegetables. Um, actually, we were just talking about this today. I was like, Steph, I know I need to eat more fruits and vegetables, but I really can't stand the vegetables. It's almost like eggs. I don't like eggs either, so i got to sneak in other stuff with it. So like, I'm, our plan is to sneak in like chicken and stuff that I make during the beginning of the week, and then we can slip that into the vegetables, not the fruit. Um, put your alarm across the room. That way, when you get up three hours early like you're supposed to, you can go and do it. You didn't know that, right? You're supposed to. You should get up three hours early. Um, say hi to your neighbors. I laugh at this one because I really want to do this one, but then if I do that one, then I can't get to all the other things I should be doing because there's certain neighbors I sit with, and you know you're there for like a while, right? And I want to spend time with them, but you, you know, you got to figure out how you're going to get the rest of this list done. I got 58 things here I haven't finished. Um, check in with your parents. Oh, this is a good one. Prepare your breakfast, your snacks, and lunches with you for the entire week. Right, because you're supposed to get eight hours of sleep, so when you get home, you've got to slip that in. So you need to figure out how to do that in 15 minutes. Um, here is from um, Dave Ramsey. He has a few here I like. Listen to audiobooks during your commute to work. This is something you should do. You should um, 
parents should make their children, so you have enough things you should do. Now you have to make your kids do something. Your kids should read two or more nonfiction books a month. Nonfiction books. Not stories, but like, you need to read this history book and you need to do this math book. Uh, make happy birthday calls. Um, network five hours or more each month. Uh, have a lifelong educational self-improvement plan. Okay, last one coming up right here. I got more, but I'm just giving you one last one. Business Insider has 126 simple things you can do to make every day extraordinary. There's no chance I'm going to read anything from that list. This is part of the reason we're exhausted. You could make up a list of things that you should do that aren't even on here. Things that you're like, I need to be doing this. I should be doing this. You have all of, we have all of this pressure. We are a community that is so tired because we feel like failures. Because we have a list of things to do that we can't get to. What we're going to be doing for the next uh, month, we have a great surprise next week uh, that I want to sneak out on you, but... Um, we have a surprise next week, and then after that, we're going to really focus on this theme of tired. And we're going to look at Jesus and his teachings and try to hear from him. What would he have us do? Because it's not in his plan for us to be tired. And this is the verse. You have your Bibles. So open up here, Matthew chapter 11. I know we went through the book of Matthew. And you're like, we already covered that book. We're going back. Matthew 11, verse 28. And this is something that you can memorize. Because we are in a cycle of exhaustion. And I want to be clear what I'm talking about. I'm I'm talking about chronically tired. I'm not saying because you have a physical impairment. I'm not saying because of the circumstances of your life. I mean you are chronically tired. You chronically don't... When you wake up in the morning, you don't really want to start the day. Or when you think of it, you sigh. That's right. Okay, here we go. Like, it's just a burden for you to live life. Like, that's, that's another title we could have had is a burden. Like, what are the burdens that you're carrying around? And we, and we figure out ways to, to function. I mean, especially here in the United States, we have time to come up with these lists that people create for us or that we create for ourselves. But we have this, like, cycle. We have the cycle of, I got to have caffeine to get me going. I got a caffeine in the morning. I got to have it. Like, it's a joke, but, like, it's serious. Like, a lot of you have to have caffeine. And it's not just caffeine. That's not your only thing. Then it's during the middle of the day, and then you got to have, like, you got to have some sugar, right? Because, I mean, I've gone through enough stuff. I deserve the sugar. And you don't even know you're having the sugar sometimes. You're like, I'm just going to have a muffin. I'm not going to have sugar. I'm going to have a muffin. You don't realize that that muffin is half sugar, but you need that. You've been trained to have that because it makes you feel better. But then you're feeling down, and then you're like, oh, and then you've got to have the coffee in the afternoon to pick you up from the muffin you had during the middle of the day. And then, of course, we've got to finish the day with alcohol because I'm so stressed, and i got all this tension, and I just need to take the edge off. And none of those three are bad. Straight up, none of them are bad. Caffeine's not bad. Sugar's bad, not bad. Alcohol's we talked about. God has given that as a gift to us. And we abuse the caffeine and the sugar and the alcohol. But we get in the cycle of it. And it's like a diet we've had to create to deal with this burden and this tiredness. Let's look at what Jesus said. This verse right here, we're going to go through this entire verse. Today we're just going to focus on a small section of it. This is Matthew chapter 11, um, starting in verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This entire month, we're going to look at these verses right here. 28, 29, 30. I did that because I had to count how many there were. Three verses. You can memorize this. This is one of those you should have in your back pocket. This is one that you should know. This is one that you should look to because it's good to be able to, at any moment, at any time, pull out the words of Jesus and have them being spoken to you, to wash over you. We're going to look specifically today on, this, on the next slide, just verse 28. We're just going to look at this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, you need to understand the context here. We always talk about that, right? When you read the Bible on your own, and you do read the Bible on your own, right? You do, right? If not, read this. Matthew 11. Go through Matthew 11 this whole month if you have to. I'll give you verses all the time. Use these. Focus on that. Memorize these. But as you are reading the Word of God, you need to read it in context. Because a lot of people will take this out of context and out of its place, and they'll miss something. They forget what this is about. Okay? So... We're going to deal with the context here in a second. I want you to listen, look at that one word, the word come. Come. Now, to come to Jesus means you need to come from someone else. Right? To come to him means to come from somewhere else. And that's the context I want us to look at right now. Here. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, the context of this is Jesus has been talking about the weight, the burden that Pharisees have been putting on those followers of God. Okay, there's a burden that they're carrying around. And so, there's so much in Scripture that you need to have it in context. And that's also why we have different translations. So you can understand things that you might know that not know that were happening. So, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, is a definite emphasis from Jesus to these people, non-disciples, telling them, look, you are carrying weight around from the teachers of the law. Leave them and come to me. They are giving you a list of things. Did you just see that, by the way? Or did I hide that really well? I, you, you caught, no one else said. They don't know what I'm talking about. That's how, that's how coordinated I am. I almost did the full splits right now <laughs> with this rug. But you didn't notice because I'm coordinated. So Jesus is trying to say, look, come away from their list of what you should do. List they've created. There is the law, but then there's the oral law that they put on top of that. Things that they've added of things that you should do. Come away from that and come to me. Now I want to talk to us. You don't have the same teachers of the law. But who is giving you your lists? Now, there's a great translation. It's a German translation. And they, they try to put things in context. Um, so I want to show the next slide because this is how they've taken this verse and tried to put it in context to take away the ambiguity, to put it in terms we can understand so that we know the context of what's happening here. And he says this. This is the way they've translated Jesus' words. You are troubled by the commands which the teachers of the law have placed upon you. Come to me and I will remove your burden. Isn't that cool? Maybe you don't think it's as cool as I do, but I think that's really cool the way they put that in context because when I think of all those lists, I think that those have been our teachers of the law. But those lists 
I don't mean to say that you guys always go to magazines or you, you know, watch the news of 10 things you should do or that you wander the internet looking for these, but you do have teachers of the law in your own life. You do have people that are putting weight upon you. I want to look at some possible things that could be doing that because when Jesus is saying this, he says later actually um, that they, are, they have a burden that they're not going to carry themselves. So for example, uh, can we go to the next yeah, this slide right here and we'll come back. They tie up heavy burdens. He's talking about these Pharisees. These people, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. And they lay them on people's shoulders. But they, the Pharisees, themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So they're creating these things that you should do, but they can't do it themselves. I think about these people making all these lists. I know they're just trying to help us. But guaranteed, the person that made the 126 list ain't doing it. Even though that person that typed up those 16 things you should do before you start your day, there's no way. There's no way. The person that said you need to have eight glasses of eight ounces each a day, have you ever tried to do that before? Like, it's not realistic. Now, I know that's kind of a funny thing, but the reality is there's so many of those things floating in our head. What about the things that go even deeper? What about the things that carry even more weight? What does it mean to be a man? Some of you men out there, like, I'm falling short. I've had conversations with some of you. I've seen it in your eyes. I've seen it in your heart. I know it is to be a man. And we're like, am I enough? If I see the movie Saving Private Ryan, and I see at the very end where that man says, did I do good? Like, I can't even finish the line right now because I'll start crying because that's what we as men want to hear. Like, did I do right? They want to hear their dads and their moms say, I'm proud of you. And so we carry around that list of, have I done enough? Should I? What should I do so that I can make you proud of me? Women, I know I just gave up a very manly secret. I'm probably going to get beat up by the men afterwards. But that's how men are. And I'm not a woman, but I know what women are struggling with. I mean, I wish I could take every woman's magazine, including living and shape and everything in between, and just burn them all. Because you women look at that and go, oh, I've got to have my house look like this, and I need to do this, and I need to be helping out at my kid's school, and I need to create this thing, and I need to do this, and I'm putting on this part. It's like ridiculous. It's impossible. You're carrying around a burden that wasn't intended for you. Just being a parent, I don't even want to get started. I'll start crying again thinking about, am I being a good enough parent? Are my kids going to be able to look back and say, thank God for my dad? Or are they going to go, oh, it's Thanksgiving. I've got to go hang out with dad. Pleasing our bosses, our teachers, pastors. The images of what we see, of what we should be. It's like these nagging expectations and we feel like we fall short. And so we're tired. We're exhausted. Paul Now, there are burdens that we're supposed to carry. I don't want to say that there aren't things that we should do. I'm just saying they get out of control and they get too big. And we need to refocus and go to God and see what he wants. Because we are lost. And it doesn't just take believers or pastors or the word of God or or brilliant. There's brilliant people out there that are making this available to our attention. There's a guy named uh, Tim Kreider. He writes for the New York Times and tons of other things. And he wrote uh, The Busy Trap. And there's a quote in there I want to read to you. He says, notice it. It isn't generally people pulling back-to-back shifts in the ICU or commuting by bus to three minimum wage jobs who tell you how busy they are. 
what those people are is not busy, but tired, exhausted. They're dead on their feet. It's almost always the people, the ones that tell you they're busy. It's almost always people whose lamented busyness is purely self-imposed. Work and obligations they've taken on voluntarily. Classes and activities they've encouraged their kids to participate in. They're busy because of their own ambition or drive or anxiety because they're addicted to busyness and dread what they might have to face in its absence. This is what I want you to hear from what Jesus is teaching us here. Because it's really pretty obvious what he's trying to tell us in this passage. And I don't want to mess it up. Because if we're trying to please or serve anyone but God, we will be tired. Chronically tired. If you are trying to please anyone other than God himself, you will be exhausted. Because you're probably carrying a burden that you were never meant to carry. You are building your day and your life and your emotions and your head around things that you're not supposed to be focused on. And because of that, you're exhausted. And if you're exhausted, and if you're tired, that should be the warning bell going off for you. Wait, then that must mean I'm carrying something that God doesn't intend me to carry. Now, there will be moments. I don't want to say that there won't be burdens to carry. I'm not saying there won't be sickness. I'm not saying there won't be times when you do have to carry three three minimum wage jobs. I'm not saying there's not times where you're going to have an infant and go, what? I'm not supposed to be tired? Wait, how's this supposed to work? Yeah, you're going to be tired. That lasts for a period of time. I'm talking about chronically. And in the midst of our trials, we're still not supposed to be tired. Your body can need rest, of course, but there's a differentness, something deeper, where you're feeling you're supposed to carry something and you know you can't carry it and so you're exhausted and you're tired. Jesus said here, let's go, if we could go back to their slide, back up to uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's what I want to finish with this morning. Rest. We hear that word, and I know there's all these thoughts that run through your head of what rest looks like. Like, oh, good, so if I come to him, he's just going to give me a break. No, that's not what he's offering up. It's different than that. It's deeper than that. It's more rich than that. This word rest in the, in the Greek, and we'll talk about it later this month in, in the Hebrew as well, but for the Greek alone, it's used in different contexts to mean something a lot more than just taking a break. Um, here's a few of them. Um, the, the word that Jesus uses, uh, it means to refresh or revive as from labor or from a long journey which is probably the one you went to automatically. Like, okay, like I did a lot, I drove a lot, I had a long plane flight, I just need to stop. But then it also means this. In the New Testament, it's also used for chains falling off of someone's hands. How beautiful is that picture? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And the chains fall off. Another way that the word um, rest is used uh, in Greek literature, it's used um, of a door that you can't quite open, but then suddenly it flies open. Think about that, those things in your life. Like I remember specifically in, in our marriage, there was a time where 
we felt like, okay, everything's good, but there's some doors that we can't open. We didn't even feel tired. But Lord, like there's something that we can't get to. And these are literally the words that I used at the retreat center. I said, it feels like there's a door that's locked and we can't open it. And Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. My marriage should be like this, but I don't. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then another way this word rest is used, the word is even used to describe a person who's in financial debt. But one day, an envelope filled with cash arrives. You know how you had that before where you're like, well, what was this for? What's this refund for? What's this what? Who? What? Why? What did I do? You really don't care. You're just all excited because it arrived. Because there was this feeling of, ah, this burn. I need to do this, but I can't do this. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Obviously, I'm not saying that if you come to Jesus, all of a sudden envelopes are going to start coming into your mailbox. That's not what I'm saying. But the idea of rest, the depth of what that word means, you can relate with that. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So, this is where we're going to be for the next month. We're going to be looking at this passage. We're going to be looking at busyness. We're going to be looking at our identity. We're going to be looking at fear. We're going to be looking at the exhaustion from the information that we're inundated with, the technology that we're inundated with. We're going to talk about fear. Um, We're going to talk about priorities. And we're going to talk about our need or our perceived need for control. And all of that contributes to us being tired. But that is not what God intends for us. When he says, I make all things new, that's what he means. And so this is your homework. Tomorrow morning, most likely, you're going to wake up. If you know Jesus and you walk with him, there's a chance you may wake up in glory. Congratulations to you. I don't think that's going to happen for most of us. So most of you are going to wake up in the morning, and this is what I want you to ask yourself. Who are you waking up to serve? Like, why wake up? Seriously, why are you waking up? Because this speaks to all of that. Because Jesus is trying to give us a framework and direction, saying this is what life is supposed to look like. There's a song by the great theologian Bob Dylan called Gotta Serve Somebody. And that song... um, I disagree with Rolling Stone and many of you who voted for them, but in 2013 they had a poll and it was voted his second worst song ever. I disagree with that. I disagree with it because it talks about what we're talking about today. In fact, John Lennon wrote in his little secret diaries, horrible song. Actually, let me do this English accent. Horrible song. (laughs) Lyrics are painful. Like he didn't like it because it was religious. I won't go through the whole song, but just a little bit, and especially the chorus. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I'll drop down a little bit farther. You may be a state trooper, you might be a young Turk, you may be the head of some big TV network, you may be rich or poor, you may be blind or lame, you may be living in another country under another name, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And he goes on and on and on. 
Tomorrow morning, I want you to begin the process. And for the next six weeks, ask yourself, who am I serving? What should I do? Who's giving me my lists? Where's it coming from? Maybe it's from the Lord. Maybe it's from the devil. Or maybe it's just, if it's not from him, it's not from the right place. I want to invite the worship team up. And uh, they're going to finish with a song for us to pray through. So if um, we could all stand. We start standing, but that doesn't mean that you can't go right back to sitting. But we want to um, give you the opportunity to stand. And you're probably more afraid to stand than to sit down. Even though you might want to stand up. So let me pray for us. Um, After this song, um, the mayor will close us up and then we'll go out and have a meal together. Let's pray. Father, um, I pray that you would be the one that brings clarity to us. That you would show us, if we haven't already come to you, if we haven't come to you today, or we know it's not a one-time thing, it's a consistent thing that we do every day and every minute and every hour, but... We, we aren't used to that, Lord, and we want to. We want to be made new, and we want to be um, renewed all the time. We want to come to you. We don't want to carry around something we weren't intended to carry, so bring clarity to us. What is it, Father, that we need to let go of? And what is it that you would have us take hold of? We ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Invite Chris Murphy up. Give him a hand. Every unopened voice box is a closed casket with the flag on top. The heavens are so full of smoke, I can hear the stars playing taps. Whenever I am flying home, what if the weather keeps changing and we don't? I want to touch the sleeve of the river. I want to undam my bloodstream. I want to make good time. I don't know what makes us human more than our crimes. And well, that just breaks my heart. The last time I wanted to kill myself. My lover said she thought I picked up the knife to kill her instead. I don't want to write that down, but I don't want to keep it in my head. There have been whole years when I have been nothing but mean. 
I want to leave behind my shame. Cut all my words from a shiny magazine. Sleep like a baby. So someone will hear me when I cry. Be nothing but honest. And say nothing. But it hurts. It hurts. My bare knuckled heart has hit the road and left every single love I have ever known. So what do all these poems mean? The war goes on, y'all. I write it down, and it's just as tall. The war goes on, and I am small as a kid being pushed inside of a locker. Good God, I want to be big, big enough to stop editing the ugly out of my bio, to empty every bullet from the chamber of my heart to fill it with the hoodie of a boy. What poem will walk him home? What radio tower of light? What redemption will dull the blade? Melt it down to mirror. Give us back to God. Unhaunt the house of the mother, choosing the color of the casket. Rinse out the mouth of anyone who would still call it a white flag. Today, don't tell me you don't understand the hurt that Jesus went through to save our lives. The same people who can't bear to not be bleeding when the world around us is. Thank you. <laughs>